Atheist Nomads, episode 419. What's a denomination? The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-hahs. Please be advised. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin, and joining me is Lauren. Hello. All right, so... In my water bottle. <laughs> I'm apparently cradling like a baby. <laughs> I, I just had ice cream, vanilla, really cheap vanilla ice cream with Irish cream poured on top. Yeah. And drinking like cold water after that is like this weird, almost like minty, fresh, <laughs> weird, numb taste. Oh, wow. I like it. Weird. All right. Well, dusting off the degree, the, the question I've thought of for this one to cover what is a denomination? Well, my question is, what is a non-denomination? Because that's the one that seems to pop up so often, and those are the ones that people that I tend to get along with the least. All right. Well, we will get to that one towards the end. Okay. Because before you get to what's non-denominational, you need to understand what is a, de- a denomination. Take it away, then. And the basic concept is it's what you have after a schism. Okay. So when a church splits... Basically. You have two denominations of that church? More or less, but also it's mostly just a Protestant thing, so they tend not to (laughs) use the term schism to describe it. They're just... Some of them are splitting off and doing their own thing. Okay. Because that's what Protestants do. Okay, so they still belong to a certain church family tree, but they are moving along and... Okay. So for for one example on kind of how that works is... Like the Adventist church. It was not created from a split from a a denomination. It was created by the leftovers of a bunch of people who had left their denominations and formed a new movement. So you had Methodists and Congregationalists and uh, Baptists all joining together. And all of a sudden you have a new religion. Well, that was with a crazy guy, uh, William Miller. Oh who was sure the world was going to end in 12 years and then gathered all of these people from all these different churches over the course of 12 years, building up his own movement. And then the prophecy didn't come true. It was not fulfilled. And the biggest group to not try to go back to their own churches or just wa- walk away from Christianity <laughs> uh, found a brain-damaged woman who was being controlled by one of the Millerite pastors and formed the Adventist church. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another... I mean, when you put it like that. Right. Um, another example for an older one would be... Well, older and yet also newer would be the Unitarians and United Church of Christ, also known as the Congregationalists. Uh, what had started as the Puritans and Separatists who merged together in okay. what became the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, they had been two separate groups in England, one thinking, no, they need to take over England and bring it back to righteousness, and the other one, we just need to get away from these people. <laughs> and different groups at different times went to what would become New England in North America and formed what ended up being known as the congregationalist church by the late colonial period okay so puritans and separatists upon landing congregationalists after they got done burning witches 
Okay. Ouch. Yeah. Then you get enlightenment thought spreading more and more and more. So some of the people in the Congregationalist Church started thinking the whole concept of the Trinity seemed pretty BS. And also the whole concept of a personal Which we involved discussed. God is kind of BS. Yeah. And a lot of them got pulled into the deist movement and formed the Unitarians. Ah. There was another split from the Congregationalists, which were people who thought were getting also getting kind of liberal with their, yeah, their take of, of Christianity, in that, well, if Christ died for humanity's sin, then he saved everyone. Those became the Universalists. So from one church, it split off into three, and then two of those, and I think it was the 1960s, merged together to create the Unitarian Universalists, which is not technically Christian. No, no, it is... It is. At least not the one I grew up in. The Unitarian Universalist Fellowship is not technically Christian, yeah. although you can be Christian. Themselves a fellowship. They yeah. didn't even choose like a name, a churchy name. So yeah. So, but that's another example of how denominations form. Okay. Uh, the Methodists are also an example of. It started with John Wesley uh, preaching in England, and getting converts who joined his movement and of Christianity where your main focus is actually studying the Bible with methodical Bible study, Oh, which is where the Methodist term okay, comes okay. in. And once they got over to the U S the Methodist split into a whole bunch of different groups. Oh, hell broke loose. <laughs> so and then in the 1960s, they merged back together into the United Methodist church. One thing that's kind of and split again. And now they're splitting again. Because what brought them together, well, what caused them to split was their stances on social issues, like whether or not they were, like whether or not they're okay with alcohol or not. Oh, oh, the first split. Yeah. And Sorry. alcohol. And then also like what kind of church services should you have? Should it be high church or low church? Meaning, do you fall a strict calendar and structure, or do you do you do just whatever amongst the common peoples? And there was all those splits, and then when they came back together, uh, they had to decide, all right, whose version of things is going to win out? And they went with the more liberal approach. You can do high church, or you can do low church. You can do adult baptism or child baptism. You can do, you can drink or not drink. Like, it's all good. Then, in that spirit, uh, some Methodists started ordaining women and gay people and gay people in committed loving relationships and then making them bishops. And that resulted, is resulting in a split. They went too far. Which creates some people. two denominations. Okay, so we got two denominations of the Methodist Church. Yeah. So those are examples of denominations. Okay. Generally, the term denomination only applies, like technically it only d applies to Protestants. Yeah. The well, Catholic. I mean, the whole world is split into either Catholic or Protestant Christian world. So, right? So no, it's not. Oh. So there's, okay, there is the... Because there's the Oriental Orthodox, which is a group of churches that are not all in communion with each other, 
Okay. Which, when you're getting into the Catholic and Orthodox uh, terms, it's about whether or not the bishops are in communion with each other or not. Oh, like, okay. Do they talk and get along, and are they all, ha- all, all copacetic? Um, so the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and Coptic Orthodox Church are both part of the Oriental Orthodox Churches. They don't really do the same thing. They're quite independent. They're different churches. Uh, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church versus Greek Orthodox Church. You can't call them separate denominations because the Ukrainian Ukrainian patriarch is in communion with the Patriarch of Constantinople, who's the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church, which means it's a part of the Eastern Orthodox Church, just like the Greek Church is. But there is also a Russian Patriarch of Kiev that is not in communion with Constantinople, but is in communion with Moscow, which is not in communion with Constantinople because they are splitting and have gone into schism over political issues. Yikes. Yeah. Okay, so leaving that mess behind, because that's a whole other talk. Uh, Eastern Orthodox versus Catholic is still different, but they generally aren't considered to be denominations. Okay. Okay. It's okay. So, and Catholics have their own thing going. And one of the big differences is schisms are the old splits where bishops and in some cases countries and kingdoms and entire regions all went one way or the other mm-hmm. in a big split. Uh, with the schism of 451, when the Oriental Orthodox split off from the rest of Christianity. It was a really big split, and it took decades, if not centuries, for the sides to fully flesh out as to which side, uh, especially the bishops in Syria and Turkey, were on. And then the priests had to decide, were they going to stay with their bishop or go with the other bishop? And which side do you end up being on? Right. And for the most part, the people didn't care. They don't care. They're just trying to get by. As long as they can get their, you know, communion mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. The Eastern Orthodox. They go to hell. The, they're fine. Yeah. The Great East-West Schism. That was basically a split between everything in, in the Byzantine Empire and everything else. And they went their own separate ways. Denominations are not splits between bishops. Denominations typically form from heretics or as protestants will refer to them reformers oh well so so and so wants to reform the church we can start with the first one martin luther right he tried to reform the church he couldn't win over bishops so he did his own thing but he won over enough other people to form his own thing he didn't split the church down like visible lines, but he did siphon off members. Okay. And then John Calvin got his own idea and siphoned off people. And that continued on and on and on and on. Until you have, you know, a thousand denominations of Protestant. So like William Miller is an example. He didn't split from... Yeah, okay, he kind of split... He left the church that he was a member of and started siphoning off members from 
various churches, churches, a bunch of churches. He didn't take half of one. He gathered a bunch. Uh, the Baptist churches, their splits have been a lot more along the lines of schisms, where the Northern Baptist Church and the Free Will Baptist Church and the Seventh Day Baptist Church and yeah. Southern Baptists split into separate ways with entire churches and regions going one way or the other. The, the Northern Baptist and Southern Baptist is really the biggest one. So, and that's a schism. And that was a schism because of politics. Oh, okay. Because of slavery and the Civil War. Yeah. Now, the Southern Baptist Church is a denomination, a really freaking big one. Right. But it's also not a denomination because... It's more of a schism than a denomination. No, it's, it's a convention. Oh, that's, that's right. They held... Okay, so then there are the churches that hold conferences and have conventions and have a whole bunch of groups in a community, but they're not... Um, oh, but they're independent, I guess. So Southern Baptist churches are all independent organizations, independent corporations. Okay. Each Southern Baptist church employs its pastor and pays its pastor's salary. Yeah. And owns its building. They're run like a business. They are. Well, you have to have a business to have employees and property. Right. So church, all churches are businesses. Because they are all corporations because otherwise a member has to be the one who owns the building. Right. It's how everybody gets paid and just like it's done. Just like American Atheists is a corporation. Right. So Southern Baptists, yeah, each church is individual and independent, but all part of the same uh, convention. They all get together, send delegates to represent multiple churches and all gather for a and big... That's how the that's how the church, quote, in big, big C church, yeah. makes decisions for everything. Yeah. And then in response, the small churches can all decide whether or not they're still part of the Southern Baptist Convention. They either go along or they go their separate ways. Okay. And that happens all the time. Yeah. Politics, man. A church like the Roman Catholic Church, everything is owned by the Pope. If it's not directly owned by the Pope, it's indirectly owned by the Pope. Right. What else are you going to do with all that gold? So, like, a Catholic hospital that's part of one Catholic healthcare corporation being sold to a different Catholic healthcare corporation requires the Pope's physical signature to approve the transfer of his property from one of his properties to one of his other properties. Well, he rubber stamps it anyway. Yeah, but he has to sign it. Yeah. And it has to be signed by the Pope directly to transfer the property. Uh, because the Pope owns all of the property. He is the prince who owns it all. In a denomination like the Adventist Church, there's corporations everywhere, except for the local level. The corporation is at the conference level, roughly state level. And that organization is who employs the pastors and owns the church buildings in that territory. The conference organization would technically be owned by the people within the conference, but in all practicality is owned by the next level up. Okay. 
degrees of separation to help solidify control? Yeah. Okay. And also just to make it easier to comply with fewer states' laws at the same time. I roll. The, the regulations, s- the enemy of religion. Regulations the, can be the enemy of any, uh, is the enemy of any large organization. Because if you have to follow 50 different states' labor laws, that is really hard to keep track of what rules to follow. Right. For a long time, large corporations were able to just do whatever California requires and call it good. <laughs> Whoever the most strict is. That doesn't work anymore. There are some areas now where Oregon is the strictest and somewhere Washington is the strictest and somewhere New York is the strictest. And you have to keep track of a lot more. You can't just do whatever California says and you're safe. Uh, then there are non-denominational, which are as non-denominational as Bernie Sanders is nonpartisan. They are fancy word that means nothing. Independent churches that are not part of any larger organization. Okay. So a mega church, which by definition just means a church with more than a thousand members, typically a evangelical or sometimes Pentecostal independent church with more than a thousand members. In some cases, thirty or forty thousand who all get together in a massive building. Right. With 25 pastors on staff and all that. Uh, It's (laughs) non-denominational. It's straight up commercial. But it's still a church with its own set of doctrines and rules and requirements for membership, just like a denomination. All that means is... But there's just one. But it's just one. So you can't call it a denomination. Right. It's just the one. Right. But you can't just say that... Like when somebody says, oh, I'm not Baptist or anything else. I'm just, I'm non-denominational. That means nothing. Right. Because you know what happens when a Baptist church leaves the Southern Baptist Convention? It becomes non-denominational. Even though it acts exactly like it was before. Even though it's still a Baptist church. Right. Uh, There was a... a, Because around here, yeah, it definitely seems like if somebody says non-denominational... They say it with pride, uh-huh. like they're independent somehow. Yeah. When, no. Like they're not brainwashed. They're non-denominational. But I noticed that they're all, like, growing up, they sent, tended to be the crazier, more evangelical, mm-hmm. more... Uh, they were the crazy ones. Yeah. In a larger area, non-denominational... The non-denominational crowd are people who church hop for whoever has the pastor whose sermons they enjoy the best. Okay. That I can respect. Whether it's the pastor who's the most entertaining. Or the most extreme. Or extreme or challenging. And I'm sure right now there's a shift towards the more extreme pastors as to who they want to listen to for an hour every week. Yeah, I just, I, I think of this one person in particular in high school who was, who was non-denominational, who, um, she used it as a label for, she wasn't a part of a church church. They studied the Bible as the Bible was written. So there's no doctrine. There was no, it's like, oh, wait, no, I called her, I called her on that <laughs> so bad. And I'm like, no, you just say you have a, you go to a church. I think she was Pentecostal, but they would never, ever say mm-hmm. that. Right. Because that has labels to it. Yeah. Not realizing that the label for non-denominational got crazier because I knew her. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> and her family. Ugh. So for, for one example that, that I got to see growing up was in Grants Pass in southwestern Oregon, there was the Parkway Assembly of God. It was the largest Assembly of God church in Grants Pass. Uh, they actually managed to get a stoplight to go into their parking lot. In part because directly across from the entrance to their parking lot was the entrance to the Fred Meyer parking lot. <laughs> well, traffic was indeed a thing. And yeah, both got quite a bit of traffic. And in the early 90s or mid 90s, that Assembly of God left the Assemblies of God and became the Parkway Christian Center. Okay. They were still Pentecostal. They, in no meaningful way, were any different than the Assemblies of God. Just the local pastor got more direct control. You got to name it, for one. Gave it a Parkway Christian Center? It's a very contemporary name. Very meaningless name. Yeah. Parkway. Okay, it told you what street it was on. It was on the yep. Grants Pass Parkway. Christian Center. Is it a... Church. After school youth center? Yep. Is yeah. it a... Day camp? Is it a church? Yeah. What is it? Which was exactly the point. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. So non-denominational. Yeah. Completely bullshit. Uh, and, and okay. When I said when, when Baptist churches leave the Southern Baptist Convention, a lot of them just start calling themselves independent Baptist. Independent Baptist is not a denomination. It is a label for churches that identify as Baptist, but are not part of any of the Baptist conventions. So they're independent Baptist, which might mean they're more liberal, but still want to call themselves Baptist, or it might mean they're the Westboro Baptist Church. Ah. It can go either way. It can, yeah, it can go either way. And non-denominational, they can be super liberal and, you know, gay affirming with women pastors and... Non-binary pastors, even. Maybe even going as far as non-binary pastors. I mean, not in the, probably not, but not if we're talking Baptists. Uh, but non-denominational. non-denominational. Because the label doesn't actually tell you anything. Right. They could be a very liberal, uh, modern, not... Only one way to find out. Or they could also be full MAGA, anti-mask, anti-vax. Protesting in the street. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually where we're going to leave it this week. If you want to contact the show, you can use the feedback form or the speak pipe button on the website or send us an email at feedback at atheistnomads.com. If you want to support the show, you can find out how at atheistnomads.com slash donate. And until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at atheistnomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at Atheist Nomads. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atheistnomads. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. Theme music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been the Atheist Nomads.